What a joy. For those of us remaining in the room, if you have your Bible, please open to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. That's going to be about three quarters of the way through your Bible. It's the third of the four Gospels, Luke, chapter 5. If you just got your confirmation Bible, the ribbon bookmark might already be there. Maybe. Um, You ever notice how there's no book page-turning sound like the Bible pages? It's a distinct sound. You can tell it apart from any other book, and it's one of my favorite sounds. I'm grateful for uh, digital Bibles, but I have a preference for the physical Bible. Um, Luke chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 12. Let us receive the word of God. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand. And touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father Almighty. To you, all hearts are open and all desires known. From you, no secrets are hidden. And so, we seek right now in this space and time your truth. Help us to draw more more deep in relationship with you as we hear from your word. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we come to know and understand your word, our hearts that we would feel its power then I ask, O oh God, that you would, in response to your word, open our hands, that we might bear grace to your children, our brothers and sisters. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the course of this year, we have, uh, we have focused on an annual theme, First Love. Uh, we love because God first loved us in Jesus Christ. And, 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 and in, this, in this fall series, we've uh, wanted to aim our attention, our affection on what it means to first love. That, that our first response to what God has done for us in the world is to be a people of love, a people who offer love to the world. And, and we have been looking at all of the ways in which Jesus modeled this for us. Uh, he didn't only teach what it meant to be a people of love, but he also modeled it for us. And each week we're looking at a different uh, group of people, uh, most of whom we are in, uh, in contact with, or, or we are ourselves uh, counted in that number, and to place ourselves there to understand that we are a people who receive love and are called to love. 
Today we're going to focus on a group of people of which each and every one of us could be counted in the number. In fact, I would say that this is a part of the general human condition. And if I was going to ask you, hey, what is universal amongst all humans? Uh, you might initially say sin. Uh, as someone who's uh, a theologian and someone who is well-versed in our understanding of, of what it means to be a product of the fall, a people of the fall, you might quote to me Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you are correct. We are all sinful. We are all in need of saving from our sins. If I was going to ask you, uh, what is it that's universal into our human condition? You might say taxes and death. At least one of those is absolutely universal because not, every, uh, not everyone, sadly, understands the, the, the joyous glory of paying taxes. But every one of us, every one of us will die. That is universal to the human condition. But if we back up a step from that reality... The truth of the matter is every single one of us will be sick. Every single one of us will be sick, no matter how young or how old, how long or how short our life is. Every single one of us will be sick. And, and, and I think that that's accentuated, highlighted for us in the fact that in the marriage vows, we have a very limited number of things that we talk about. And these are commitments that, that wives and husbands make to one another. And, and in that, we are promising we're making promises to how we're going to uh, perpetuate our commitment to each other. And one of those, uh, th- those uh, spaces of perseverance to which we're called is both in sickness and in health. Health is not guaranteed to everyone, interestingly, but sickness is. Every single one of us will experience sickness and being sick is wretched I don't like it how many of you are big babies when you're sick anyone okay I think at least 50% of the men are raising their hands okay and all of the wives are grabbing their husband's hands and saying yep that's you you're horrible when you're sick uh, you know, I just like to remind Lauren I don't get sick very much but you know when I do I deserve a little pity uh, um, yeah, so uh, she'll say, hey, I'll order you some chicken noodle soup, and God bless you. Um, you know, It's a gift to be able to acknowledge that consistency and that unity in the fact that each of us will be sick. Because then we can see what Jesus does in this passage, what Jesus calls us to do as his followers And we're able to lean in all the more. I got to tell you, COVID-19 was a conflicted time for me, particularly in the beginning. And and I know that there's a whole range of why COVID-19 was conflicting for so many of us. But for me as a pastor, particularly with a call to ministry, a call to minister to God's people, I felt particularly conflicted. And as one who knew and understood the history of our church fathers, the way in which God had consistently revealed himself through the faithfulness of, of women and men of faith who offered their service to the Lord in times of great illness. In times of pandemic and epidemic, we saw church fathers from Irenaeus to Cyprian to Luther all uh, acknowledge that they had work to do 
to minister to the flock in their time of need. Luther so interestingly wrote about how he uh, was committed to following the orders of the physicians, to, to fumigating his house and to practice social isolation as much as possible. And, and whenever any one of his parishioners drew ill, He was compelled by the Holy Spirit to minister to those who were sick and to go and meet with them in their homes, to hold their hands and to pray with them and to be a source of spiritual well-being for his flock. COVID-19 was tough for me as a pastor because I knew that we as a culture were adopting certain distancing principles, but I also know that I am called to be in relationship and ministry with you, physically present with you. So how do you reconcile those things? You do your best. And for each one, you figure, your, figure out your way. But I have to tell you that this passage of Scripture invites us into a greater appreciation for what it means to have that physical presence. I actually think that many of our healthcare workers went under-acknowledged in this season. I know that we had spaces and ways in which we celebrated them, but I still feel like we didn't do so well enough. I mean, what was it to be in the hospital, to be with people as they were suffering, to be with people as they were dying? And so I, I want to just offer a word of ministry over you. Thank you. To God be the glory for you. What it was that you on our behalf were there present with our family members, with our sisters, our mothers, our brothers, our fathers. God bless you. It was a ministry of which you were a part, not just a profession. Thank you. This passage of scripture is situated in, in a very interesting position. Uh, we're actually going to uh, teach on Luke 5, 1 through 11, what precedes this later on in the series. So I'm not going to spoil the ending, but I do want to acknowledge how, how fantastic it is that the, uh, the gospel writer of Luke acknowledges the close proximity of these two things. Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11 teaches of the, the call to discipleship for Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John are fishermen, and, and, and Jesus is teaching. The crowds are pressing in, and, and he then has to cast out from the seashore and invites himself onto Peter's boat to do so. And then he asks Peter to go out and cast nets, and Peter, James, and John reel in this amazing haul of fish unlike anyone had ever seen before. And Peter says, I'm unworthy, I'm sinful. And Peter, James, and John then choose to leave everything and follow Jesus, and Jesus says... Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be fishers of men. You, in Jesus' ministry, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as someone who's following Jesus, you're now, from now on, this point on, going to be fishers of men. And the very next encounter... With no space in between. And I, I, I do believe this is intentional. It's intentional in Jesus' teaching and Jesus' modeling and his ministry. And it's intentional in the way that the disciples, the apostles, received this message from Jesus. The very next scene that we have comes with what Pastor Zach read for us this morning. Luke 5, beginning in verse 12. There's a man who's covered 
in leprosy. He's covered in leprosy. That language is not accidental. We don't know much of leprosy in our contemporary American culture. There are only about 100 cases of leprosy a year diagnosed in the United States of America. In the entire globe, there's only about 200,000 cases of leprosy active that are known and identified. And most of them exist in Africa and Asia. We are distant and disconnected from what leprosy is. It's hard for us to understand what it meant For the gospel writer to account that this man was covered in leprosy. Leprosy is a bacterial infectious disease that shows on the surface of the skin and attacks the nervous system of the body. And it spreads on the human skin. And so it might begin with just a spot. But as time progresses, it can cover, and as it it covers, it attacks. And as it attacks, death is imminent. But from the very beginning of that diagnosis, from the initial spotting of that disease, uh, you would then be reported in the Jewish culture to the religious leaders, and they would diagnose that, yes, this is leprosy. And at that point you would be designated as unclean. You would be isolated from all relationships and contact. And you would have no access to religious practices and religious community. Unclean. Sinner. Outcast. Isolated no longer having a place in the fellowship of the believers. And so when we hear that this man is covered in leprosy, we know that this man has had this this experience of outcast isolation for a prolonged period of time. He has been away from community, away from family, away from the church for a long period of time. And quite likely his life was coming to an excruciatingly painful end. This man covered in leprosy comes to Jesus and has a very simple statement. If you are willing, you can heal me. Lord, if you're, if you're willing, if you're willing, you can make me clean. It's not a question. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a request. It's, it's a statement of truth. And it's a statement that, that understands and has grasp of the power of Jesus but still has a lingering question about his position with Jesus. Does he have a place with Jesus? Even though he does not have a place with his family, with his friends, with his community, with the religious leaders, if he doesn't have a place, a position with them, does he have a place with Jesus? He had faith that Jesus could do it, but didn't know if Jesus would do it. And so, 
we understand what, what this means, this wondering, because we have probably wondered something similar in different contexts before. Jesus, I believe you have the power to save, but me? Jesus, I, I, I know you have the power to, to heal, but me? This echoes in my ear because this is the kind of statement that I believe I have offered to Jesus in the intimacy and privacy of my own heart before. And Jesus responds in in such an extraordinary manner. Before he even utters a word or offers any action upon that statement with which the man spoke, He physically manifests a testimony to that man's position and our posture of engagement that we are to follow in the way in which we love as well. Did you see it? Did you catch it in the scripture? He touched him. A man covered with leprosy who had not experienced physical contact from another person in an unimaginable length of time, experienced the touch of his Lord in such an intimate way that he knew his position was secure not only his power. And this makes no sense rationally. Uh, There's no reason for Jesus to touch the man. He doesn't need to. I mean, this is the Jesus that at a word said, get up, take your mat, and walk away to the lame man. And the lame man walked. This is the one who, who... at a mere touch of a cloak, ended a prolonged experience, years of bleeding for the woman. This is a man, Jesus, who at a word spoke to Lazarus from a distance and said, Lazarus, rise up from the dead and walk out. And Lazarus did at a word or at a, at, at a initiation of another person. Jesus was able to heal and yet... When he didn't need to touch the man covered with leprosy, he yet did. This, for me, for us, highlights how Jesus draws near to us. Is is willing, able, wanting to position us as a part of his family so that we would know that we belong, that we are found, that we are home in him. And then Jesus, after he touched this man, said, I am willing, be clean. I am willing, not only able as you know, but I am willing 
and welcome you in. Be made clean. And the man from the crown of his head to the base of his feet was cleansed. Restored into community and welcomed by the religious leaders as clean. Almost a, a month and a half, two months ago, I, I was on a, a trip to uh, Kenya and Tanzania. Uh, y'all prayed for me while I was gone. Thank you for that. It was an extraordinary engagement. On the very last day when we were in Tanzania, uh, we had opportunity to visit a couple of different ministry settings. We, we saw uh, a feeding of hundreds of uh, community children, and this was their sustenance and the way in which they were supplied for. And, and I had heard about a ministry uh, called uh, the Victory Camp. Uh, but we had not yet seen it. And, and the model when we went and we engaged with folks is uh, we would uh, experience an opportunity of service, uh, an opportunity of fellowship, and then uh, we would offer a, a testimony to why we were there and what the scriptures say about what our encounter and engagement was about. And, and so uh, we did that over and over again, almost rhythmically to where I, I had a couple of sermonettes in my pocket. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I had... I knew I was going to have three to five minutes, and I had my three to five minutes about, you know, 10 or 11 times over the course of the trip. Well, we show up to the Victory Camp, and the Victory Camp is a place in Kigoma, Tanzania, uh, where the government officials have isolated all of those with uh, in, incredible physical ailments including losses of limb, uh, including leprosy, uh, including uh, uh, scoliosis that was uh, debilitating and crippling. And so there were about 50 individuals in this victory camp that the ministry we engaged with were serving and, and, and they provided for food and provided for ministry and encounter. And so we went and we arrived and I had seen in that moment, uh, I saw in that moment uh, ailments and diseases that I had been previously unfamiliar with. It was shocking to my system to encounter uh, such diseases. And they came in and they led in worship. Uh, and after they worshiped, they call on us to teach. And so I took one of those sermonettes out of my pocket. And I, uh, for memory at that point in time, offered a testimony to them. And then uh, we worshiped again. And then our time with them concluded. Well, while I was on that trip, I was there with Ashley Goad, who's a pastor in Shreveport. And I was there with Jim Welch, who's, my, uh, who, who's the president pro tem of the Eastern Texas Conference of the Global Methodist Church. And, and, and Jim and, and Ashley and I wrapped up that time and after we concluded, uh, I, I noticed this kind of this caution within me that, that I couldn't quite identify or come to grips with. In every other setting after that word of testimony, there were handshakes, there were hugs, there was encounter, there was relationship. But, but as there was that, 
that, that physical representation of the diseases that I was unfamiliar with, I found myself being pulled back and distanced. But I watched Jim Welch, 74 years old, a Christian leader of whom I have the utmost respect. And he went one by one to every single one of those 50 individuals and shook their hand and offered them a word of blessing. And when requested, he would pray over them. And when a woman would reach out for an embrace, he would embrace them. And I sat back in my distanced caution, admiring and wondering what it was in me that kept me from experiencing that blessing of love. How often do we pull back when God is inviting us and Jesus has modeled for us what it means to lean in. Is it when they are unfamiliar to us, when they are other, when they are uh, of a different language or of a different nationality or of a different culture, or is it when they are sick and diseased? Jesus, in his very first modeling for what it means to be fishers of the world. He says, go, be with, touch, minister, heal, and restore. Let us be a people so committed to love that we would never again miss that opportunity of ministry. Let us see Jesus' witness and step in ourselves. Let's pray together. Father, Father, I repent for whenever I shy away from this extraordinary opportunity that you put before me to meet with, be with your people, to acknowledge how each of us belong in your family. Lord, thank you for your power to heal. Thank you for your power to restore. And Lord, we give you praise for your willingness to do so. Lord, particularly for those who are sick, Lord, we ask that you would give us the strength and the willingness to be present and engage with so that the world might know of your love and your presence through us. Lord, as we enter into this time of offering, as we continue in worship and offer gifts to you, Lord, we, we ask that you would bless these gifts, bless the givers as well, that all that is done in this space and time would be for your glory, honor, and praise. Lord, let these gifts have a transforming effect to our ministry in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.